to Everything is Television. My name is Justin Blizzard. I am joined by Keith Krepko. <laughs> uh-huh. And Rob Adams. I always go last. Come on, Keith. Oh yeah, I know. I'm I'm uh I'm out of it today. I'm just gonna be honest, <laughs> just gonna be upfront. He's still he's still flustered by all the swearing and the trial, the trials game. Yeah, you know, in the first five minutes it's uh it made me blush. <laughs> I haven't gotten over it. It's been two days. Uh, we are currently watching AMC's Preacher, and today we're going to talk about episode three, The Possibilities. Uh, it was a little bit of a light episode. We don't have as many notes as I think we would like, or as we did for the first couple of episodes. So I'll start with... Uh, Let's just start with general general uh, general impressions of the episode, and we'll sort of see where it goes from there. Keith, how did you feel about the episode? Did you feel like it was too slow? Yes, you, you did. Yes, I, I think I think one of the problems is I watch Game of Thrones, which I don't know. Rob, do you watch Game of Thrones? No. So I watched this back to back, and Game of Thrones had a really bad episode this week. So I was coming off of that into Preacher. And I was like, all right, Preacher's going to pick me up. And Preacher, it felt like I watched a feature film, a two-hour film version of Game of Thrones. Of a it really felt, boring it felt Game that of long to you? No, because I watched Game of Thrones and I watched this. Oh, I see what you Like, I watched two, two hours of boring, kind of high, almost fantasy, you right. know? And, uh, and I did not like it. And I think it was compounded by the fact that I did not like Game of Thrones. You didn't like it at all. So not only do you think it was slow, you just straight up did not like the episode. Uh, I mean, it it has its look. It's really well made, really really well shot and well acted. And I think I think the actors cemented themselves further in this episode as kind of great great actors and good characterizations of these people. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the plot, I mean. You know, I, I feel like I'm pushing to say more than five distinct things that happened in this episode. I didn't like it either. Um, I think it's too early in the series to have such a slow. I, slow is the best word. Such a slow episode where it, it seemed kind of boring. Um, it seemed uninteresting. You watch something like The Leftovers and um, you kind of learn that along the way that they're when they have a weird episode, you're going to get a payoff. Yeah. I don't have that much faith in these guys because we've only had three episodes. I'm not sure that we're going to get that payoff. I did like the cold open. I guess I liked that. I hope they keep going with that. I didn't even like the Eugene scene, and he always picks me up. <laughs> That's sad. That's the saddest thing I've heard all day. <laughs> Rob didn't like a Eugene scene. <laughs> yeah, he's my man. I know. What were your thoughts, Justin? You watched today, right? I watched it today. I mean, I maybe because going into it, I I knew that you both thought it was slow. I didn't mind the episode. I'm also, you know, I'm also watching it at peak boredom, where like <laughs> like the, anything could hold Your heart my heart rate. Anything is could hold like my attention, 40. right? So I, I, I mean, I, I liked it. I, I definitely can see where you, where it's coming from, where it's, yeah, not much happened. But at the same time, I feel like 
they're they're progressing the storylines they've introduced in the first two episodes. They're moving stuff along with Tulip. They're moving stuff along with uh with uh, uh Donnie. But but do you feel like take Tulip for example? I know that this is only a third episode, but do you feel like we need to wait this long for the backstory of hey, we got screwed. I got this guy's last known address. Let's go get him. And a 10-minute speeding ticket scene? Yeah, I could have done without the speeding ticket scene. Yeah. I, I was not I, a huge fan of that. I mean, so, so basically, we're, we're to believe this is what she's been trying to get Jesse to sign on to the whole time, right? Come with me and get revenge? I guess so. I mean, that's something I wrote down, like... I guess they were part of a botched bank robbery. That's the impression I got. So she stole his steering wheel. She tased him. Mm-hmm. She, t- she handcuffed him. She did all this stuff to basically say, hey, I got this guy's last known address. Let's go get him. Her story just seems so out of place compared to what else is happening in this town and what else is happening with the characters. That's why I think she's going to go somewhere mystical. Like it's, it's going to hit something. Um, Something strange and out of left field, but man, it's taken a long time to get there. I, I mean, I'd agree with you, Justin. I feel like if the payoff was more than what we got, you know, and but it's only the third episode. I mean, yeah, but but in the third episode, I don't know. I don't know. I guess I guess I I can also say that I'm maybe not as interested in Jesse's pull being, do I want revenge or do I want to stay on the straight and narrow? Mm-hmm. Um, the only intriguing thing for me was in the flashback where it heavily implies that Jesse shot a security guard. He yeah. shot somebody in the head. Shot somebody. In the- I wouldn't now, even say it's implied. Did, I would say he shot somebody okay, in the head. Well, well, that that's the one question I have is Rob. Do you agree that you think he shot the guy in the head? You think it's it's unequivocal. That we were led to believe that Jesse shot the guy in the head. Whether we're going to see some weird cuts later and Tulip is the one that shot him, I, I'm not sure. But it, because the look on his face was surprise. Put it on the board for me. <laughs> Jesse did not shoot. I'm going to, and I, I kind of, I think this is worth double points. Mm-hmm. This one. Double points. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, the angle matches. Jesse's gun. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to say that either he is going to be revealed to have not shot the security guard or it's going to be proven to be accidental. That he did not mean to shoot the security guard. I think for double points, you have to pick one. If I'll go for one point, I'll keep both. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think I, I definitely s- see the slowness. But I think if it, w- if it were further on into the season, it would have bothered me. But because it's only the third episode, I'm fine with it. But this is where they need to catch people. They need to keep people interested. They don't, people shouldn't be dwindling or, or losing interest this early. It, it's anecdotal. My wife um, went to bed before the episode was over. And my friend texted me. Midway through him watching the episode, he was like, Preacher's losing. Is your wife done? 
No, I don't think she's done. I think, you know, again, we, we'd been watching a lot of TV at that point. Game of Thrones was boring, and this one wasn't really doing it for us. I think she just kind of left. Well, I think, that's a, I think that plays more to the point that for people who are unfamiliar with the comic, this show has to be one of the most confusing things they've ever watched. Even in episode three, like, I just don't understand how anyone watching this who had who has never touched the comic has any idea what's going on like and i'm not that to me like obviously i have a baseline knowledge of the comic so i'm not lost i know what's going on but i don't see that to me is like in one hand it's admirable because they're just sort of doing what they want to do and it's it's for me someone who has that knowledge it's it's working well but I, I honestly just don't see how anybody can enjoy this if they have if they haven't read the comic. Well, I, I think the other thing too, and, and Rob, I'm interested in your take on this, is I feel like not only are they not giving people a hook in terms of the storyline, you know, th- there's no compelling narrative other than now we have this possible revenge storyline going on, but there's no clear cut villain. And I feel like what people might be responding to as well, and what I'm kind of curious about, is now they seem to be undercutting the characters that they've built up. So Tulip, up till this episode, has proven to be ruthless, but for people who seem to deserve it. And then in this one, in this episode, she's speeding going over 100 miles an hour, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. And 115. She- she gets her handgun out and she puts her handgun underneath her leg as if she's ready to use it. So is Tulip really, was she really about to kill a cop because she just didn't want to not go a hundred plus miles an hour down a road? Like what, what is that? What are you doing for the tone of that character? Yeah, that the whole, that whole sequence was, but what do you think, Rob, what do you think about that? Like, do you feel like, in the in the comics, it's clear like Jesse is motivated by goodness, Tulip is motivated by goodness. Anyone who's not is seen as a threat. So Cassidy is never fully embraced by Tulip because Tulip and Jesse are are righteous. That's kind of the idea of the of the comic. In this one, you don't know whether they are or not. I mean, we've we've introduced an idea that maybe Jesse shot a security guard. Tulip seems ready to kill a cop like do you think that is also adding to people's potential frustration with this show or maybe to yours we are from this episode we are meant to believe that tulip is a bad guy and that she wants jesse to also be a bad guy because we've got the we've got the bank robbery good people don't do that we've got someone killed during the bank robbery somehow you know meant to believe that jesse pulled the trigger and killed that person and then when she has the gun that was more than hey i'm a little i'm a little um afraid of what's going to happen you know because i'm in the middle of nowhere Mm -hmm. that was that was thoughtful premeditated i'm yes i'm gonna put my gun here and if it goes bad i'm gonna shoot this policeman because i was speeding so yes she, there is there is some weird disconnect between Tulip and like everybody else. I don't know if that's what's drawing people off or not. Um, I have two friends that are watching. I have one friend that is watching, and neither of them have read the comics. One of them, 
She likes Lost. She likes Leftovers. She likes Fringe. She's ready to go for the ride. She likes Breaking Bad. She's going to go. She is just opening up to taking all this stuff in and seeing what happens. My other friend's the exact opposite. He's, he's almost done. Like He did, actively does not like the show and may not continue watching the show. Mm-hmm. Because what's the storyline? We kind of know what's going to happen, you know, because we we have like a leg up because we know who some of these people are. But they're they're you're not giving the base audience like much reason for what's happening. And and you're wasting time with with the speeding ticket. And as much as I liked the. The Jesse and Cassidy run around and learn how to use the word scene as as, as fun as that was. Yeah. Did we need that instead of, okay, this is what Odin Quinn Cannon is doing or, or, you know, some progression with that storyline or with, um, you know, even with the investigators, the angels, you know, whatever we're going to call them. I feel like I just I get the sense that this feels like the leftover bits from the first two episodes. Yes, like, absolutely. Yeah, this is it, cutting room floor. Cutting room floor stuff. together. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's it's almost like okay, we filmed this. You know what we think is good for the pilot. We filmed what we think is good for the second episode, but it's like four hours. Let's trim those down, and then they're like, "Well, what do we do with all these cut scenes?" And like, "Uh, let's put it together in a third episode because we don't want to lose all that, and then we'll be back on track for the fourth. It, it feels like the leftovers of of a streamlined pilot in second episode, which everything was crystal clear in those two episodes. Character motivation, the way things are filmed, the way that the episodes roll out, and this third one is just kind of all over the place. I'm looking forward to, okay, now this stuff is out of the way. Me too. Let's do something with these characters. I know that they're stuck in this town, you know, for budgetary reasons. They have said that instead of being the sprawling traveling story that it, that it was, that they're going to stick to this town. There's plenty to do. Let's see some of it happen. Mm-hmm. Justin, what say you? Uh, I just, I get what you're saying in terms of character motivation being crystal clear in the first two episodes, I think of Cassidy's introduction scene, having Mm -hmm. no idea what was going on there, stuff like that. I don't disagree necessarily, but the show, the episode just didn't strike me in that way. And I enjoyed watching it. I I think because your body was basically at the level of a hibernating bear at the time that you watched this. It could be. It was just barely kind of giving your vital organs enough blood to be aware. Yeah, sure. Of your boss walking in. I think the truth is he knew we didn't like it. He knew he had to be ever the contrarian. So he decided to like it. He liked it. It's just my natural state. I'd, um, I'd rather have Justin like it and me be lukewarm on it than have Justin actively dislike it because when that happened in the leftovers and you guys were doing the leftover shows then i'd be like man it but it's so good mm. yeah the leftovers and not you, so good and then you'd write all of the anonymous hate mail that we got <laughs> from when we started going negative uh yeah i mean i mean i don't know i i guess i'm just 
I guess I think I'm just happy to have it be a more than competently made show. Yeah, it's never not that. And I, I th- and I think one thing that I'm really impressed by is that they're continuing to sort of follow the style guide of the first episode where the music cues are kind of loud and very uh, pointed. They're still using the great big font on the screen. Like, I like the style of the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, partially I like it just because it's different from everything else. But I like that they're sticking to that. And I think that keeps me... I think the show is very well made and shot and framed. And so I just enjoy watching it from that aspect. Mm-hmm. It's not made like a typical television show where it just is like, all right, person one, cut to person two, cut back to person one, cut mm-hmm. back to person two. Like, it's just filmed in a, in a, mm-hmm. in a very... Uh, artistic way that has me you know interested right so that could be it as well part of it may have been that i fell off my chair when hair star was in the show he hasn't been cast (laughs) we haven't seen anything about him we saw him in the cold open for a few seconds you know it's just a dude in a hat yeah but but that's who it is and and that made me really really excited. So maybe I was like geared up and mm-hmm. ready for that. And and they you know what they said it was um, Grail Industries. They kind of like they dropped a hint bomb there. Yeah. And then and then we got into the show proper, and and I wasn't ex- wasn't as excited. So Justin, you missed that cameo. I missed it somehow. I mean, it was right at the beginning, so I was probably getting my notes set up on a different screen. Did you go but back and watch it? I didn't. But it's stuff, it's little touches like that and with the Saint of Killers and other things that I think has me, is part of what is keeping me interested is Mm -hmm. that it feels like it's in good hands because Mm -hmm. they are including this stuff. Right. Keith, when you saw that, did did your mouth just drop open? Or were you like, yeah, they're going to do that and you you were expecting it since they did Saint of Killers last week? Yeah, you know, I kind of, I, I... at first, I felt like I um, anticipated it um, because of the Saint of Killers. That, but then midway through the episode, when when uh, Odin Quincannon's scene is done, which is basically just him listening to animals being slaughtered, I guess, yeah, and eating lunch, I thought, okay, guys, you got you got to. I mean, they they only have what ten episodes this season. I think so. So I'm like, you you guys gotta pick pick someone now. You know, like let's let's go with this. So you're not satisfied with what we've got of Quinn Cannon so far in the series. You oh want, not you at want all. More. Not mm. not. I mean, again, Rob and I said that that we both believe something that's integral to his storyline mm-hmm. in the comics is going to get translated in the show. (laughs) And that will make up for a whole lot of him just listening to noises of cows being slaughtered. Mm -hmm. And I can see the benefit of slow burning his big reveal of his true psychosis. And that might pay off well. Like, all of this slow burn, I like you said, we're in capable hands. I could see paying off. I'm just saying right now, I wish I had a better sense of 
who are we going to be following? Is Hair Star going to be a bigger role, or is that all I'm going to get from him? Because I didn't see anything from Santa Killers in the third episode. So, you know what I mean? Like, are these just references that they're giving us early, which are going to be like in season two, you know, remember that guy with the hat? He's back. Um, or is it going to be something that's going to, you know, is episode four going to be just bananas with kind of Odin and Hairstar or, or what? I just, I don't see where it's building to. So mm-hmm. I was excited in the moment and I was kind of ready because they did Santa Killers at the same time when by the end of the episode, you basically have Jesse abandoning of, you know, like his motivation for a story arc. I was like, okay, so is that a dead end there? Then, then where are we going? Mm-hmm. It, it got me a little frustrated. We didn't talk about the title sequence. They added it. I loved it. I think some of the weirdness you're looking for for Odin was in the title sequence where there's that play to meet. And mm-hmm. someone goes in and they grab it. And I think that's just like a, like a taste of what's to come. Mm-hmm. I think that was, that was specifically Odin. Um, I love him so far. I think he's doing a great job. He's really, really weird. And I think that's awesome. Um, and when you put Donnie in his place, Donnie's like, just tell me what to do. I'll go, I'll go beat him up for you. And he's like, all right, clear my tray. Yeah. And then he's like, okay, never mind. Don't clear my tray. <laughs> Because your freaking arm is broken, and you can't... Mm-hmm. I, I, really, I really enjoyed that. I have a confession to make. I didn't realize Donnie was Donnie until that, like, that moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't realize that Donnie was the, was the rabbit boy from the, the first episode. Yeah. Um, somehow, I completely glossed over that yeah. for, for episode two. But that makes way more sense now. And um, well, That's part of his motivation in this episode, right? Everyone wants him to squeal like a... Like a rabbit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, he's starting to get pissed off. Mm-hmm. And he's going to want to go after Jesse. And um, I like seeing the kid again. Uh, I think he's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that whole family dynamic is <laughs> interesting. I'm surprised that they've given it as much time mm-hmm. as they have. Yeah. But not in a bad way. I just... It, it's uh, To me, it is a very intriguing decision to to have that play out the way they are and to spend so much time on it yeah Uh, to make him sympathetic well to make it to where it's not straight up abuse right and Mm -hmm. there's i mean to me at first there was this sort of gray line of is she lying or is she telling the truth apparently she's telling the truth so that, to me, is an interesting direction to take it because if you want to make Donnie just a straight-up bad guy, then, yeah, you just make him a, a woman beater, right? Right. And but you don't appara- have but him, it's a lot more nuanced than that, apparently. You don't have him ex- trying to explain it to his son. Exactly. You know, th- that, that makes it more interesting to me. It makes me feel like Donnie's going to be around for a while. Right. It should be more interesting down the road. Not, not that he's a likable character by any stretch of the imagination. Right. but. But just a little bit sympathetic. Right. Do you think that makes him a better villain? Um, Potentially better villain? Yeah, potentially. I would just say more nuanced. Like like I said, it just is, it's, it's as much as you can enjoy a character like Root in the comic for just being straight up evil, it's, I feel like it's a lot more difficult and it's just a lot more interesting to give them 
these sort of caveats where it's like, yeah, this guy's maybe this guy's a total dickhead, but he's not a wife beater. I mean, you know, in the traditional try- sense, I guess. <laughs> we- <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it just we, is um, interesting to me that it's that it's not just this straight up like, yeah, Don, like Donnie's a bad guy. So we're just going to have him beat, beat his wife. Yeah. yeah, we gave the comic a lot of trash for having very one dimensional villains. But it, I mean, and it works in the comic. It's great in the comic. And and I and I think here, you know, that giving it a little more fleshing it out a little bit, making it a little less um, black and white is just pretty interesting. We also so we get to see the uh, the ramifications, if that's what you want to call it, of Jesse telling uh, the girl to open her eyes. Mm-hmm. It's Rachel, right? Is that her name, Rachel? Eugene uses it, and I forgot it. Oh, okay, yeah, that's right. He does say her name, and she's just sitting there with her eyes open. Nothing, literally, nothing has changed mm-hmm. except her eyes are open. Right. And I kind of got the impression with how effusive the mother was about Jesse that they were hinting at this idea of uh, kind of like a fake faith healer thing. I don't know exactly how to word it, but it's like she obviously thinks that this was god working through jesse or, or or whatever just she the mothers convinced seem to be convinced that this was god's work when in reality jesse jesse's using this this power so is he you know, going she, to go along with that charade she also kind of overdid it last week feeding the casserole to her dog you right. know, none of this prayer stuff is any good and then this time it's like okay well maybe this prayer stuff is good it's kind of like I think it was equally heavy-handed last weekend this week. Um, as far as Jesse going along with it, once we saw him get the power and play with the power, and then we're, we're thinking about like robbing banks and that kind of stuff, I think that kind of stuff's going through his head. I don't, I don't know if he's going to... I guess he has to stay. And, um, you know, and, and try and be the preacher. I guess that's kind of like where we're headed. But I feel like deep inside, he's thinking about other stuff. You know, what awesome stuff can I use this power for? I, so I don't know if he's going to if he wants to take on the role of the healer or not. Um, long way to say that I have no idea. Well, I, I think that you're <laughs> yeah, pick me up. Keith. <laughs> I, well, I think you're kind of hitting at at one thing that I felt, which was I wanted to see his reaction right after the girl opened her eyes. Because yeah, part of what this episode is, is all about is about him finding out his, his powers. Yeah. So he goes there with this idea that this might work. Then when she opens her eyes, how does he, he react? Like, is he basically celebratory that he has this power? Does he feel like his job is done and he left her just with her eyes open? Or did he try and say some other things to help her get better? And then realized the limitations of his power. I bet he was scared to death. And that's why or, he left. Or was he scared to death? I mean, those are the questions that I have that I felt like I felt cheated that they didn't give to us. Because then we don't understand how he thinks about his, his powers really. Um, my, my thought 
is that Jesse seems pretty unperturbed by his past in in terms of he feels like this is how he makes up for it by just being a preacher mm-hmm. he's he doesn't even seem to be too interested in like having answers for people because well, he made a promise to somebody, right? Wasn't that part of his dialogue with Tula? right? And and this is like back to his dad, who's mm-hmm. like, you know, be one of the good guys, whatever. Um, so so I get the sense that he has good intentions for his power, but I also find it interesting that basically, if you follow Jesse, then what he does is he goes and confirms he has the power on a girl who's comatose makes her open her eyes but doesn't help her in any other way he leaves he then goes to cassidy and basically celebrates by showing his power Mm -hmm. and then he gets seduced by tulip to go kill a man like i don't follow that logic and then he gets reconvicted about his faith and then comes back yeah. The only way I can resolve that that character doing those things is that their twist on the power, and I was wondering, Rob, if you if you picked up on this as well, is that the power or the the voice, the word, has the danger of overpowering him. And so making him make people do things that maybe he's not intending when he starts down this path of using the word. So with Cassidy, the way that it's filmed, I felt like the intensity was being ramped up. So by the end, he's like making him punch faster and faster and faster. And you see Mm -hmm. this kind of like desire to see Cassie do what he's saying in a way that didn't seem positive. And then it culminates in being like fly, which basically causes Cassie to potentially hurt himself. So Absolutely. I was wondering, did you see that that the, the, the power seems to be something that he can barely control right now? Absolutely. It's building, it's building, it's building. And was fly from him or was it from inside him? Like exactly. was that his idea? Or was that was that him getting carried away? Or was that him losing control? And Justin had brought that up last week, I think about when it was growing, right? That yeah. it looked like almost it was that that it was that it could be cancerous. Yes. That it could potentially overtake Yes. And I and I had said that's not something that I wanted to see. I wanted to see something else. I, I agree. But it looks you, like right. they could go that way. Yeah, well, I, I agree with you, right? I I want it to be where the power can overwhelm him, but not that it can destroy him. I'm not interested in that storyline. We've seen that storyline. Right. But what about control him? Now, what, if now, he, what if he loses control? That's that, what I mean. that, That's more interesting to me. Right. I, I'm with you, Rob. I, I'm more interested in that. I'm not as interested in it being something that basically destroys him. Like, you know, I, I don't want a junkie storyline. Yeah. I, I don't want to stand in for a guy who's like, has this uncontrollable power, becomes addicted to it, and then it starts turning around and eating itself. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not... That's That's a... To, to me, that's a addiction storyline. I want it's it. Smart. It's smart in other places. Yeah. So I, I want it to be smart here too. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Nope. No, no, you're it. fine. Before we move on to the next thing, I want to say I don't know how much of. <laughs> um. We're in a war zone. Yeah, I don't know how much of it was picked up on the microphone, 
but I think the United States Navy just spent 15 minutes trying to land aircraft in my front yard. <laughs> I don't know what they're doing, but they've got like five or 10 planes flying right over my house right. at 10 o'clock at night on a Tuesday night. That's the perfect time. Uh, so we talked a little bit about the uh, discovery of power scene between Jesse and Cassidy. What did you What did you make of that? It, it, it uh, I you mentioned Keith. You mentioned when you were giving your general impressions that you liked the acting. I didn't really care for the acting that much in this episode. Tulip to me continues to be just a little bit too over the top, and I did not like Dominic Cooper that much this episode. I just felt like. And maybe it is the, the, uh, the, the storyline of like losing control that's, to the power mm-hmm, that's bothering me, mm-hmm. but I just didn't really care for that scene that much. My, my question to you would just be, is it the actor's fault or is it the story's fault at this point? Yeah. That are these good actors who are making the best with a rambling story right now? That when they get direction, that they're they're gonna exceed their potential, or is it just bad campy acting? I mean, I think Tulip is well written. I think all the characters are well are well written for the most part. I I would say they're well written until this episode. I mean, can, can you explain the motive? Like, take Jesse from a guy who realizes he has the power, of you know this this power inside of him. He's already wrestling with his faith, and he goes from that. To celebrating with Cassie to a, a murderous revenge. Yeah. I just, I just don't see. And, and what is the central conflict of Jesse? You know, we still don't have a clear I- idea of what that is. He's just kind of brooding and has a violent past, but you know, but he's he not to be good. Yeah. But he's not able to give that any more depth than just, Hey, I got a violent past. I'm trying to be good. Leave me alone, Tulip. <laughs> you know? Not who I was. Um, for me, I had the displeasure of going to see Warcraft this weekend. Mm. And Dominic C- Cooper plays the king in the Warcraft movie. And he was terrible. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. Is he the one in, the tra- in all the trailers with long hair? He wears this weird... No, he does, he's not that guy. He wears this weird like um, lion helmet. Okay. Where where his face is like kind of cut out. He's like he's Voltron. Vi- he's very. It looks like Voltron. Yes. He's very flat. He's bad. Ruth Negga's in it. She plays his queen, and she does fine. But go. then I I come to this episode and I think Jesse's fine. Maybe it's because he was so bad there. Yeah. But I did not like Tulip. I especially didn't like the acting in the scene where she's. Uh, pretending about the the speeding ticket she's telling that story yeah was that intentionally bad i think she's someone directing her to say tell a story i think she's intentionally hamming it up for the police officer Mm -hmm. but it still just didn't work for me like Mm -hmm. like you can there's an intangible level of like it's yeah it's it's bad because it's supposed to be bad and but it's still bad and 
yeah, it's bad because it's supposed to be bad, and that's what <laughs> makes it good. You know right. what I mean? I, it just it was very bad for me. I didn't like it at all. Um, I, I already have problems with with her character in the season, and and it, that just made it worse. On the flip side, when Jesse and Cassidy were together and and drinking and trying out the powers, I thought that was fun. I thought they had some pretty good camaraderie there. Um, I especially loved when he act, he sang the words "Me some Johnny Cash" mm-hmm. because. Jesse said, sing me some Johnny Cash. Right. Mm-hmm. So it was just like, furthermore, you know, this is, it's the third time he's, you know, what, actually like the fourth time where the power has been completely literal. Like there's no room for nuance at all. Do you guys think that's Genesis is doing or that's just how the power works? Because Genesis is, is an infant. Justin, mm, that's interesting. I never thought about it. I always just assumed that was how the power works. But I think that's an interesting. So you're suggesting that because Genesis is an infant, it doesn't have the nuance. It basically doesn't have the nuance. It doesn't have the understanding to be anything but extremely literal. Mm-hmm. Also, with the um, the angels, they're also extremely literal. That's so true. it might be something like a because they have no. They have no, no moral complexity. It's no like, basic, no, no like basic understanding of um. Right. Uh, well, I mean, we what we'll imagine if you live in heaven, you know, heaven has the, the the point of heaven is that it has no complexity there. I mean, you are there in the presence of God, feeling His pleasure. Just you know? perfect. Perfect. It's not. It's not about moral gray zones or complexity so um yeah no i think i think i like the infant interpretation that that was my interpretation um and i think that's that feels right to me keith you had a note about the pop culture references yeah so going back to the powers when jesse asks him to tell him a secret Mm -hmm. he says i like justin bieber right I have two I have two points to make on this. Uh-huh. Number one, <laughs> did that stand out to either of you, especially off the Big Lebowski, that the pulp culture references maybe need to start toning it down a bit at this point? It dates itself. I mean, it really makes it stick here. I mean, if you if you think about other movies that you watch and they have pop pop culture references, they, they don't hold up long term. Right. So I would I would definitely ask them to tone it down a little bit. What do you think, Justin? I think the the hard the hardest thing about pop culture references and it it is very easy to date yourself with it. But at the same time if you're picking the right ones, like The Big Lebowski will be universal, mm-hmm. I feel like just because that's a movie that will be around and highly regarded for a long time. But it's also felt like the wrong one to me because I never thought of the Big Lebowski as a highly debated movie Mm -hmm. in terms of whether it was good or bad. It just, to me, seemed like this smallish movie that had a big cult following. Mm -hmm. The problem to me with pop culture references, more so than, than than dating the show, is that they're very difficult to get right. 
and it's it's very easy to just do the obvious thing, which is what the Justin Bieber call out is, which is what the Johnny Cash, even the Johnny Cash call out is. Like, sure, like, 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 ask ninety nine people on the street who their favorite country singer is. Ask a hundred people on the street who their favorite country singer is that that don't listen to country music, and ninety nine of them are going to say Johnny Cash. Like these people are in the South, like go uh, just a little <laughs> bit deeper than Johnny Cash, right? right? Give me Merle Sing Haggard, Hank George Williams. Jones, Hank Williams, even you know Towns Van Zant. The, uh, the but the opposite is also true. Like <laughs> you can go so deep with your reference, your country chops, that it's just like you're trying too hard, mm-hmm. right? So they're difficult to do. I I think is is the is is my point. Is like you can be as if you if you pick somebody like Johnny Johnny Cash, it just feels lazy. If you pick somebody like Towns Van Zandt, it's like, oh well, you're trying to show off now, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm right. trying to show off. My- Same thing with uh, with Justin Bieber. Is mm-hmm. like I get the point of it. I mm-hmm. wish they would have picked something funnier than Justin Bieber. Right. Like at this point, it's like, yeah, anybody could have written the Justin Bieber reference. Mm-hmm. You're television writers. You're smart. You're funny. Give me something a little bit right. more with a little bit more depth than Justin Bieber. Right. Justin Bieber could come from a cultural eight ball. Right. That you just kind exactly. of shook up and you're like, oh, reference is Justin Bieber. Uh, the, the further problem I had with it really quick is that it implies that a hundred plus year old <laughs> vampire would somehow still be impacted by the music of Justin Bieber. <laughs> That inherently in Justin Bieber's sound that there's something in any way intriguing for a hundred plus year old creature. And I just don't buy it. I don't buy that after a hundred plus years of pop music that Bieber has a... But has that, a that's what makes it a guilty pleasure. Fresh enough sound to even... Say, but I feel like his guilty pleasures, like if he got honest, I would have liked an obscure reference back to like the 20s that's true you know where he's like tell me secrets like i really i don't like howling wolf mm-hmm. or you know whatever i don't get howling wolf mm-hmm. just something from like maybe his day because i just don't see cassidy as somebody who's like a pop music i think would die after about 50 years of a vampiric lifestyle <laughs> i think that i would be in i'd need a little more the drug of pop music would have worn off by then because it wears off in a normal lifetime. Right. I'm 34 years old. I don't have time for Bieber. No way a hundred plus year old creature makes room for Justin. Bieber. His sound is not unique enough. Mm-hmm. Sticking with Cassidy uh, and his inconsistencies. How do you guys feel about his, uh, the, their handling of him being out during the daytime? I don't know how Rob, I don't know how it was handled in the comics because I didn't read that much of them, but like, is he, he's not out in the day this much during the comics, right? That doesn't seem like it. And and now it's, if he's in any amount of shade, he's, he's kind of okay. You know, yeah. it's like, and a hat, a poncho and, and, a, and a squint. Right. And he's okay. And it's like a, like a rice hat. Like when you mm-hmm. when you when you harvest the rice, that's right. the hat you wear. Where do you get that? 
That's true. That's a good point. They are in Texas. They use those in Texas. <laughs> the the other thing too is there are so many moments where he's talking to another character, and I'm watching the sunlight bounce off his face yeah. in conversation, right. and I'm like, why is that not have any impact? Like, I just don't. Well, I mean, yeah, he wakes up in the morning. The first thing he does is literally just open the front door and, and look outside. <laughs> it's like that's literally the last thing a vampire should be doing, right? <laughs> They've already gone so far as to say holy water does not work. They have the ability to completely rewrite it and say sunlight is also nonsense. You know, yeah, they, to an extent. Yeah, or they, even they, to they just be like, done that. yeah, oh yeah, yeah. They could. E- even to just be like, you know, uh, uh, prolonged exposure mm-hmm. is is the real trouble. Like he can be out in the sun for a few minutes or whatever, but mm-hmm. like after right. a while, it starts to get to him or whatever. But they're right. just not addressing it whatsoever. <laughs> right. So that seems a little strange. Like I said, at first I was on board because they joked about it in the director's <laughs> commentary. They joked about like how much sunscreen he would wear. But they're like really going for it. Like yeah. they really don't care on the show. They don't care. Uh, and then at the end or towards the end of the episode. So we get uh, Donnie. And is this going to be, I, I guess this is um, part of what makes that the whole Donnie's family storyline intriguing to me. I didn't, I guess I didn't really expect his confrontation with Jesse to come so suddenly. I I mean, I guess it has to happen sometime and they did need something to happen in the episode. So he just, um, seems to randomly confront Jesse in a bathroom when they're at the gas station, right? With, he's at the gas station Mm -hmm. with Tulip. Jesse goes in the Mm -hmm. bathroom out of nowhere. Donnie comes in Mm -hmm. and is getting ready to, um, shoot, him. shoot him and that's when Jesse has his I don't want to be a bad guy revelation when I was watching that scene and it was building and he he's already going to do the revenge bit he's already you know said things to other people and made them do things I thought this was the time where we were going to get to see Jesse Custer say eat that gun and you were oh. going to see him like eat the gun right bust his teeth i mean th- that wouldn't kill him exactly that sure that sure would like kind of like amp the story up a little bit like yeah. really bring out the okay donnie's he's going to be coming after him again i guess th- the problem with that is does it wear off because clearly it didn't wear off on the bus driver he didn't know that girl maybe that's the problem with doing that but that's where i where i thought that scene was going to go and i was very surprised when he just said you know put the gun down mm-hmm. yeah the the one thing about about the word going back because we also had the reveal of the bus driver in this one too, right? That's right. Is are they are they in some way implying that pedophilia is case specific? <laughs> are they? Is is that the implication that if you just root out the one it's child specific? Apparently, yeah, yeah. The, you just take out the one child, right. problem solved. That that I didn't know what to do with that. Well, he said that he'd only had ever had thoughts about that one girl. But you're right. I mean, Jesse should have been like, you know, you are no longer attracted to anything or, you know, some, something like that. Um, but I don't know that he. Well, he really didn't know at that point he had the power. Well, but but let's one thing that I'm interested in following yeah. this season with is let's look at Jesse's wake. Okay? 
So in Jesse's wake, if you just look at the, 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 the wake being the use of the word, who is he leaving behind him? So far, we have a man who cut his heart out in front of his mother. Mm-hmm. We have a comatose girl who, whose still, eyes are open. But she's still comatose. But she's still comatose. Mm-hmm. We have a pedophile who is only forgetting the one girl that he was attracted to in the moment. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, is still operational out there in the world. With and children. We, yeah, yeah. With, with, he's still working with children. Yeah, geez, he wasn't even like quit your job as a bus yes, driver. He wasn't even like don't work around kids anymore. He literally was just like forget her. Right. So I mean, are we forgetting anyone else with the word? I mean, he kind of heard Donnie. Cast it. Don Donnie with the word. Where basic? What would he say? But lasting with effect the, with the gun. Oh, yeah. well, we haven't seen the effects. Right. Right. But but the but there's no. There, but I'm talking about like in the, the the wake of I've used the word on you in some profound way that's changed you sayonara see you later right it it is it's a ticking time bomb it's a girl who potentially now is in a worse situation i don't know about eyes drying out uh, it seems like something else you have to now be aware of mm-hmm. or worried about and then you have you know of course the man who i i now here here's another prediction i'm not sure if this is worth a whole point but we will never hear from him again jesse will never have to confront the idea that he caused a man to cut his own heart out in front of his mother. I can answer that right now. Okay. Did you watch the preview for next year? I mean, next week. Oh, no. Am I, am I, have I already shot myself <laughs> in my foot? J- Justin, did you watch the preview? I didn't. I didn't. Jesse does the funeral for that man oh. next week. Well, that was at the end of the episode, right? Where he's, he's burying the guy, and it's just him and this, the lady. Is she a secretary? I don't, I don't remember what she does. Wasn't that at the end of the episode? And then it cuts to the pipe and something, a voice yeah, or something's the, coming out of the pipe. The pipe goes off. Okay, yeah. so maybe the, maybe he won't have, maybe that is the conclusion to that. Yeah. But yeah, he won't ever have to like, so that, that to me is the other troubling thing. Like, let's, let's follow this guy's wake and how they're thinking about the, the, the word and how it can change and impact people. Because right now, Jesse's not thinking very, very uh, profoundly about it. I, I think what caught me off guard about that scene with Donnie in the bathroom is that he is the third conscious person we've seen him use the word on. And the first two, and or no, the fourth, because he does it with Cassidy. So the first three, they're all responding willingly to it, despite the first guy is cutting his heart out. He's just doing it as it's a, right. as it if it's a, a natural him. act, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas with Donnie, he's struggling the entire time, and it's this big dramatic buildup when he's like shaking, and you can tell he doesn't want to do it, which ultimately leads to Jesse realizing, "I don't want to be this guy." Mm-hmm. But and I understand why they did that from a sort of television dramatic standpoint, mm-hmm. but to me it would have been more, uh, it, it would have been more in line with the power and it would have been more effective, I think in the long run or sort of had a greater meaning if he was doing this and Donnie was just complying willingly and it would have shown like 
how easy it is to use this power and be manipulated by it. And that to me is a scarier thought than doing it and have somebody having somebody like struggling mm-hmm. to comply with the power. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That the ease of it to me seems right. scarier than uh than having somebody fight against right. it. Right. It's one thing to say like light yourself on fire and having somebody with a smile on their face like light themselves on fire, which is far more disturbing than somebody right. who's like shaking the whole time, doesn't want to do his begging to to, to not right. and, and and to Rob's point, the I think along that same along those same lines, eating the gun would have been even more so. Exactly. Especially if he just is like, all right, and he just starts like gnawing on this gun and his teeth are chipping away or whatever. Mm-hmm. That to me would have been way more effective uh, than what actually played. I, out. I agree with you, but I will say that the comic does have precedent for somebody doing it doing something they don't want to do. <laughs> Do you think it has something like to do with? It. Oh, okay. Like with, fighting, um, you mean? With a, like somebody strong-willed, like Danny, is gonna fight back. Whether when and then you have someone weak-willed, like the pedophile, doesn't fight back. Well, even the pedophile's like at the end, he's like, "What did you do to me?" Yeah, you know, he he's identifying that something's been done. I think, I think he he would have fought. Had he could, but he basically said, forget her. You didn't have a choice in it. So the last note I had was there is a, a very small scene at the end of the episode, right before the end with Root and Eugene. And I, I noticed that they're continuing to not sympathize or, or make Root sympathetic. They're, I felt like they're definitely going towards a Tommy Lee Jones path and No Country for Old Men where he is, yeah, he's a jerk, uh, but he's kind of a jerk because he's this grizzled sheriff who's mm. seen too much and mm. thinks that the world has gotten out of control. Uh, and I also wanted to point out that uh, as Rob predicted in the last episode, it appears that Eugene and Sarah, what was her name again? Rachel, Rob? Rachel. I think it, I think it was Rachel. I may, I may be wrong. That that Eugene and the catatonic girl are linked, and their injuries are potentially linked. And Rob, you said I think before we started recording that you didn't really despite loving Eugene as a character, you didn't really care for the scene that much. Usually Eugene is, you know, the highlight of the episode for me. And I, I really like watching his stuff. I, I like watching uh, the, the Ian Coletti. I like him watching, like him watching, like watching him <laughs> act as this character because I like how, I don't know, hopeful and upbeat and positive he is, you know, in the book and in the show. And this one, it just, I maybe I, at that point of the episode, I, I didn't enjoy it. I kind of had a sour taste in my mouth and it, and it didn't, it didn't affect me like it normally would, but maybe I'll, I'll rewatch it and like it better the second time. Did you like it? Are you a Eugene fan, Justin? I like the, um, I like the implications of the scene. I mean, the scene itself was fine. 
but I do like that they are uh, connecting these those two occurrences. And I like that. Uh, I mean, I I guess the impression I'm I got from the subreddit was that Arseface is not in the comics that much, right? Uh, yeah, he he pops up here and there, but he seems to be a pretty integral character to the show so far. So I like yep. that they are Big change. Yeah, I like that they're keeping him around. And like I said before, I like that they are sort of giving him kind of the heftiest emotional mm-hmm. storyline for a character that looks that way. I think that my my prediction for no points is that in a few weeks we'll all be far more excited about these characters because of the past that they're on once we can see them. I mean, we can't, we can't say anything about any of the, right. Where's our space yeah. headed? Sure. Where's Cassidy headed? Where are the angels headed? Like we just, we just don't know. Odin Quinn cannon hair star. Like these are all things that we just, we just don't, I, I, I do believe in the showrunner. Uh, and in the promise of the first two episodes. So I'm just anticipating in, in like three weeks, I think we'll, we'll be far more uh, excited about these characters. I still like the show. I'm not, you know, I'm not all for anything. I, I definitely like it. I like where it's going. I like that they're doing their own thing in this town with new characters like Eugene. And they still have enough of the comic, like the enough promise anyway of Odin and Hairstar and scene of killers. And that, that will get kind of maybe down the road. I also think in about season four, maybe five, we will get an awesome episode called arse faced world. And <laughs> it'll be super crazy. Uh-huh. Um, th- there's a lot that arse face gets to do that they could do with him later. Yeah. And um, that'd be sweet. Okay, uh, Rob, you said we had gotten some feedback. So we did get a message, and um, it's from Kate, and it says, Good morning. I'm halfway through this week's podcast. I just wanted to throw my two cents in with the scene about the blob inside Jesse. I totally took it as the thing feeding and growing more powerful, almost like an embryo, with the cells dividing and growing. And the whole point of showing it was to illustrate this powerful thing growing inside. At the beginning, his voice wasn't strong. But by the end, it was because of the thing growing stronger inside of him. And if we think about that in light of what we saw in, in episode three, with how the scene progressed when he's telling Jesse, you know, um, when he's telling Jesse, when he's telling Cassidy, Cassidy yeah. you know, punch faster, punch faster, do this, do that. Um, it sounds like she's on to something. Yeah, I think that for me is a probably a, a better or a more thought out version of me just saying it's like cancer. Because that's essentially what cancer does. It overtakes the good cells with yeah, the bad cells. But, but but I think yours has a destructive implication, whereas hers has a kind of growth. positive growth. You know, well, where, mine is, yeah, I guess I see it as a growth. I just don't see it as a positive growth. See, I, I see it as something that is not seeking to, like, destroy and burst out of Jesse, mm-hmm. but is looking to 
you know, kind of grow up within Jesse to always be okay. in Jesse. Auntie is wanting to ever destroy Jesse. But has had destructive power before when it didn't like his host. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems like Jesse fine yeah. for whatever reason. And um, I think it's happy where it's at. I, I think I think growing is is probably accurate. Um, hopefully, it won't go the way that we had already discussed. But um, so you're outvoted, Justin. Sorry. <laughs> Thanks. Just, you know, it's just my opinion, man. You can no longer have that opinion officially <laughs> by our bylaws uh-huh. of the podcast. Katie, we appreciate the feedback. Thank you so much. Yeah, definitely. Um, thanks for listening to Everything is Television. If you would like to give us any feedback like Kate did, you can find our contact information in the show notes. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or the Google Play Store. You can check out our website. It is eipodcast.com. You can follow the show on Twitter. It is at eipodcasts. You can follow me, Justin Blizzard, on Twitter. I am at Blizzard with nine Zs. I'm at Things Come Right. I'm at Shiny underscore Rob. Uh, we also have our own podcast. We have a podcast called Everything is Interesting. You can check out Rob has a podcast called Best of Three. You can check out again if we you just ranked all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. That's right. I, I locked these gentlemen in a room and we didn't leave until it was done. <laughs> we had a lot of fun. Justin, I doubt you'll listen to it at all because you hate all that I stuff. I already listened no, to he it. You already did. Yeah. I listened to it the day it came out. But, um, that was fun so give us a listen yeah it's great uh if you want to provide any feedback like our friend kate so generously did you can use any of those avenues to contact us and again thanks for listening and we will talk to you next week 